welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. From the latest archery equipment and expert shooting advice to proven bowhunting tactics and the sport's biggest personalities, we've got you covered. Now, here's your host, Editor Christian Bird. Alright, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some time to be with us today. Um, I tell you, today, I would imagine that we are going to have a pretty fast show, uh, given the guests that I have on the line with me. If you are a fan of uh, racing, uh, auto racing, you are going to definitely want to uh, listen to every second of today's show, because I have uh, on the line with me none other than... And, uh, Mr. Spencer Boyd, one of the uh, most talented young uh, stock car drivers in America today. Spencer, thanks so much for being with us on Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Absolutely. Thank you. You know, social media uh, is a blessing and a curse, you know, and, and, and certainly it is a, a hive of, of negativity and all sorts of kooky goings on, but it can also be pretty cool because... I get to connect with people like yourself. Uh, you know, it was just this past weekend. Uh, happened to notice uh, had a new follower on my Instagram, and and it was you, man. And, and I started to text back and forth. I clicked on your profile. Uh, you know, as I told you earlier, I, I'm not super, you know, up on all the latest racing stuff. Didn't really know who you were, but I, I saw there was something to do with race cars and clicked on it. And we started texting back and forth on the Instagram, and and here we are so pretty neat you know how a sport like bow hunting can bring people together from all different walks of life definitely uh social media is uh, definitely unique you know where uh it changes every day so i think uh, everyone's learning as you go um it's it's definitely evolving but it, it makes to where you can meet a lot of people um that you may not be able to meet uh, the old school way and just uh, the connection through uh, the outdoors the racing and there's just so many similarities um it's, it's just good people oh absolutely and i know that you certainly have you know a lot of outdoorsmen on the the nascar circuit and you know you're not, you're hardly the only bull hunter amongst all the guys, and so I imagine you talk, you guys, you know, talk about hunting and fishing and, and all that kind of stuff on a regular basis. Definitely, you know, in racing, there's such a, a fast-paced lifestyle, you know, traveling all over the country and uh, kind of being outside the norm. I say we're just a traveling circus. We show up to town, mess things up, and we're on to the next one. But um, a lot of us enjoy, you know, the outdoors, whether it's uh, you know, just hunting in general or, or getting out and uh, ripping some lips and uh, taking some bass out of the lake and uh, having a good time with that. It's just uh, relaxing, and you put your phone down for a while and just forget about everything. For sure. And, you know, you talk about traveling around. You are, uh, what are you, 22 years old right now, Spencer? Just turned 23 the other day. All right. Well, happy birthday, man. So 23 years old. You're a newly, a newly minted 23-year-old. And uh, the reason I bring that up, uh, for those who, you know, are listening, if you're not familiar with Spencer's background, you're kind of... Uh, uh, 
you might be like what we call old for your age because you've been doing this for a long time. So even though you're only 23, you've probably been driving competitively for like over 15 years. I was looking at your bio on your website. I think it said like maybe you started winning some of your first races when you were six years old. And I guess you were, you know, really heavily involved in like the um, the go-karting circuit, which is a big deal, you know, in the developmental uh, stages of racing. And you won, I guess, quite a few championships there and really have risen through the ranks quickly to the point where you're now, you know, racing in the Xfinity series um, on Saturdays. And like you said, really continuing to work towards that goal of uh, hopefully getting a car, you know, and being able to drive in the, in the Monster uh, Energy Cup uh, on Sundays. But talk to me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? And, and how did this thing that probably, you know, started out as a hobby turn into your whole life? Definitely. I mean, uh, being 23, uh, I'm, I'm one of the older guys. You know, I'm fresh to NASCAR, but um, you can get into this level of NASCAR at 18 years old. So um, I, I got my first start when I was 20. So uh, time has flown by. It's, it's a lot like uh, hunting season. We have what's called race season, and you just live your life one season at a time. And as soon as it's over, you're looking forward to the next season. And the next thing you know, you're like, wow, uh, we've got all these accomplishments. And I've been doing this for five years and then 10 years and then 15 and it's amazing I started out on on dirt bikes at 4 years old and then got into go-karts when I was uh, about to turn uh, 6 years old and uh, was racing both you know dirt bikes and uh, go-karts and, and realized uh, a lot less people were getting hurt in go-karts so uh, I'm an only child and my mom definitely uh, took notice to that she's like okay well you're running better in go-karts we're winning all the time and it's safer um, yeah I think we're going to go with that so it definitely started out as a hobby you know I, I grew up playing all the other sports um, that every other kid did you know whether it was baseball tennis uh, you know soccer all that different stuff um, growing up in St. Louis Missouri in the Midwest you kind of had it all you had all the seasons so yeah um, and really play, good uh, deer baseball, hockey and really good yeah. deer hunting yeah. in Missouri yeah, in deer Illinois deer yeah I mean you're right in the hotbed of, of awesome awesome hunting <laughs> yeah so in a in St. Louis, we had uh, 1,300 acres to hunt um, through some family friends, and it was right there on the river, and uh, right there uh, next to Illinois. So there was big deer. Um, I got spoiled as a, as a kid, you know, just one, you know, get, getting a good buck, and then uh, at 11 years old, I uh, got a really good buck there. But um, Now, what's really good? I'm spoiled. For, I definitely, an 11, for, for well, an 11-year-old. <laughs> for me, um, it was a uh, at eight point, but uh, the broad tines were broke, so it was a uh, six point, um, 21 and a half inch spread. I don't recall exactly uh, how many inches it was total, but for me, uh, that, was a, that was a big buck. Um, it was bigger than what my dad uh, had killed, uh, even up to date. Um, so I, I need to take that on a, on a good hunt. Um, all through my racing career, my, my parents have had to sacrifice a lot, um, you know, even moving from St. Louis, Missouri to North Carolina to pursue racing. So we talk about it all the time. We uh, Now that I've made it to this level, I want to take Pops out to uh, Wyoming or Montana and um, do some really cool hunting out there. 
Yeah, for sure. So, so you grew up in the Midwest. You guys moved to. Uh, I'm assuming you said North Carolina. I'm assuming the Charlotte area. That that seems to be sort of home base for a lot of drivers. Um, That's right. And uh, so, what do you do? Uh, do you when you make a move like that? I mean, did you become like uh, homeschooled? Do you spend all your time at the garage and just do your studies, or how does that all work growing up, trying to become, you know, a professional race car driver? Yeah, well, kind of, you know, reverse back to, um, you know, racing go karts all over the country, um, doing that traveling 36 plus weekends a year uh, chasing the dream I was really fortunate enough to uh, win a lot of races and a lot of national karting championships and um, really brought my family close together my dad was you know the mechanic crew chief the guy doing everything uh, coaching me my mom uh, traveled with us every weekend and you know cooked the food uh, did all the lap times of the other kids so we knew where we stacked up and there was so much that was involved that as a you know seven to 11 year old kid you really don't realize um what all your parents are doing uh, just to go out there and try and win a go-kart race um at about 13 we realized hey you know charlotte's where you need to live um if you want to get noticed and, and really make it in the racing world so it took us a while uh, with the way the economy was back there in 09 2010 uh, it took us a while to sell our house. So when we moved to North Carolina, I was 14, going on 15, um, racing legend cars up and down the East Coast. And it was uh, it was cool. You know, I, I started my sophomore year in high school when I moved to North Carolina. Um, I knew, hey, if I really want to focus on this racing thing, I need to, you know, be homeschooled. So I did homeschool my junior and senior year, uh, knocked that out really quick. Uh, went into community college, which was um, a lot more, you know, relaxed. You know, you could go your three days a week, but in the meantime, I could uh, work at the shop. And, you know, school was always my backup plan, but, you know, my goal was to make it in racing. So it uh, sounds crazy now that it's worked out, but I spent so many hours at the shop and different race teams that I was driving for, just trying to learn everything I could um, to make myself a better race car driver. And at 20 years old, I, I made my NASCAR debut in the truck series and the rest is kind of history. It's, it's flown by um, now that I'm in the Xfinity Series full-time and we're halfway through my first full-time season and uh, we got 15 race weekends in a row coming up. Yeah, I know that, uh, I guess I was fortunate you were actually had an off weekend here this past weekend. Worked out real well for you. I guess you had an off weekend for your birthday too, right? That's right, yeah. So uh, I was just able to hang out, uh, shoot bows with my dad in the backyard, and uh, go uh, check on my buddy's farm, the food plot, and uh, see how everything's going, check the trail cam. Uh, it's nice to relax and just kind of slow down and uh, enjoy that uh, week and a half off. And then it's back to the grind. Yeah, for sure. And uh, th now talk to me a little bit about uh, the Xfinity Series. How does that differ from the, the Monster Energy? Are you guys driving the same you know stock cars that, that those guys are, or is it a little bit different? It's a, it's a little bit different. Um, the cars have about 100 less horsepower. Um, so that's uh, quite a bit when you're on a racetrack uh, so big. Um, and then the bodies are slightly different. So in the Xfinity series, 
Um, you have Chevy, Toyota, and Ford. We're racing the, uh, I drive the Camaro, and Ford has the Mustang. And then in the Cup Series, uh, up until this year, it was the Ford Fusion and uh, Chevy SS. Um, but now they're changing all that back to where uh, both series will be called the uh, you know Camaro uh, or the Chevy Camaro and the Ford Mustang. So uh, um, that was kind of the major difference. The uh, obviously we don't have headlights, but we have decals that make it look like we have headlights, and that's kind of the major difference um, before. There's different models of vehicles, and now it's about to be the same from Xfinity to Cup. But um, the biggest change is going to be uh, the horsepower. And so, so how many horsepower are you running in the car that you drive, and and what are your top speeds out there typically on a on race day? Yeah. So. Um, for myself, we have almost 700 horsepower, whereas the uh, Cup cars have close to 800 um, at a that's super a, speedway. That's um, a lot of horsepower, man. <laughs> a lot of horsepower. Uh, at a super speedway, so Talladega or Daytona, um, we're going to do about 200 to 205 mile an hour, and then the Cup guys are going to do, you know, about. 210 to 215. So uh, all that horsepower eventually runs out. You know, it, it doesn't make as big of a difference as you think. But uh, at that speed, 10 mile an hour is still 10 mile an hour. Oh, absolutely. You know, faster is faster, right? I mean, it's fractions of a, it's, it's hundreds and thousands of a second that can, you know, separate the winners from the losers. So it, every little bit makes a big difference. And I know that, you know, although, as I said, I'm not a racing expert, I know that you and all the folks on your, your pit crew and, and your mechanics and everything, I mean, you guys just spend, you know, days and days and hours figuring out how to get that little tiny extra bit, uh, you know, that you can't out of all your your engine and the rest of the components of your vehicle so definitely uh we you know we don't have a really big team but uh the guys that we do have uh they they work seven days a week so uh whether we're traveling we're at the racetrack or we're at the shop it's seven days a week it's a it's a big hustle to uh, get our cars prepped uh, a lot of people don't realize we have to prep two cars for every race so your primary and your backup car just in case you tear one up in practice now talk to me just about the uh the logistics of being a, a driver i mean as somebody like yourself who, you know, wants to drive a race car, you don't obviously, you don't own the cars per se, right? You've got to basically, it's like getting a job, like like any other job, although a lot harder, right? I mean, the, the, the team owners, they're going to go out there and try to find a driver, you know, that they think is going to be competitive, give them a chance to win, right? And, and as a driver, you've got to compete kind of against everyone else who's driving to, to get that you know place and then have that car to drive every week is that is that you know kind of how it works absolutely it's uh it's really competitive um there's 40 
there's a bunch of us competing for 40 spots every weekend in the Xfinity Series. There's a lot more drivers than 40. So uh, you're always uh, in competition against other guys, you know, trying to get rides. Um, basically, you know, the teams are looking for sponsors, and then they look for drivers that they feel are going to represent the sponsor in the best way, and then, you know, get them the best result that they can get on the track with the equipment that they have. Um you sometimes uh, a team will only sign you for a race or two just to test you out and then sometimes you can get lucky and get a year-long contract but anything more than a year-long contract is pretty unheard of these days um, unless you're in the cup series so for a lot of us it's uh, you don't want to say a year-long contract is week to week but at any moment um, if someone shows up and and can do better than you um, you can lose your ride so you try and uh, Race every race like it could be your last and just uh, do the best you can. And, and one of the biggest things uh, outside of just driving the car on the racetrack the best you can is representing the sponsor. Um, if you have a sponsor that really wants you in the car, uh, you're less likely to lose your ride. You know, if you represent them in a good way, promote them, uh, have a good social media presence, and just be a likable guy, uh, it goes a lot farther, especially if you're not contending for wins every weekend. If you're that guy finishing, you know, 10th or 20th, and you're just trying to better yourself to get to a better team eventually, um, you just got to keep that in mind and uh, think about the bigger picture. Because at the end of the day, um, teams are always looking for better drivers, and there's different levels of teams at uh, every series. So you want to put yourself out there. Uh, don't burn any bridges, because uh, the guy that you risk one day uh, could be driving for the team you're racing for the next. So uh, it, it's crazy when that stuff happens. Yeah, and uh, you know, speaking of sponsors, you have some sponsors that are related to, to bow hunting and the outdoors. I know, uh, for in particular, uh, Bear Archery is one of your sponsors. Talk to me about you know how you, uh, as a not not just as a race car driver, but as somebody who also is passionate about bow hunting, uh, how did that relationship come to be, and and you know what sorts of opportunities has that given you, you know, to maybe. Uh, combine two of your passions. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a small world, you know, um, through social media, uh, you really uh, brought, you, you know, you're brought together. Uh, there's so many people that you can reach that you normally wouldn't be able to. Um, I had always been a bow hunter. You know, my dad got me into it at a young age, and whether it was uh, just starting out and uh, doing, you know, little archery games in the backyard and, and that sort of thing to actually, you know, shooting deer. And then uh, that, that passion grew into hey, how do I, you know, align myself with sponsors on the racetrack that I use their product outside? And I'd already had, uh, you know, a couple of bear archery products, and uh, now I'm shooting the new uh, moment, though, and I love it. Um, through that relationship, uh, I get to promote them on social media. They're on my car. Um, their logo is actually on my helmet. So we do a cool deal where uh, on my helmet we have a visor that we change, uh, whether it's a you know a clear visor for a night race or a tennis for a day race. Um, got their logo on there, autograph it, and we do a Twitter giveaway every week. And, and through that relationship, we're probably going to be doing some um, some cool hunts, uh, possibly on TV with some of our other partners. So uh, kind of links it all together. Um, it kind of started out with just these are the products that I use um, 
you know, at our hunting property or, you know, this is the bow I use. Why don't I see if uh, we can help each other out and, and promote each other and, and have some fun doing it? Yeah, cool. So so people can win that visor every week by going to Twitter. Where? To your Twitter or Bear Archeries or how, where does that work? Yeah, if you go to my Twitter, at Spencer Boyd, um, I, every week on Monday, uh, we do a Twitter giveaway, and you just got to do a little retweet, and then we pick a winner and, and mail it up to you. So um, we've been doing that here for a few weeks. So that's a pretty new partnership, and uh, it's cool. You know, a lot of guys, you know, sign uh, autograph cards and different things, and um, through some of my partners, are able to sign uh, more unique things, whether it's a helmet visor or give away a helmet or give away a pair of racing shoes. Um, it's just cool. You know, it looks, uh, looks nice on the mantle and um, as well as the uh, helmet visor, it, it has the link between what I like to do on outside of racing and um, what I like to do on the weekends and, and that I love my job and the uh, kind of thing we promote is, you know, hashtag your business. And, uh, you know, obviously I'm looking through that that um that shield uh you know at every race so uh just that's your vision absolutely and now you got to convince bear that that they should uh be giving away a hunt that you can take somebody on so then you can get a chance to go you know uh, kill a big deer or elk or something like that <laughs> yeah so uh we got a you know another one of my partners is um an app called the hunting buddy app and then uh record rack is another partner and basically, uh, through all that, everyone wants to do a hunt with Spencer Boyd. And uh, I'm excited about it. But now I'm like, okay, wait a minute. If everyone does a hunt, uh, you know, who's paying for these tickets? And, uh, and you know, how am I, uh, I going to get all these tags for all these different states? And uh, talking, they're like, hey, we'll handle, we'll handle everything. Um, you know, if you just uh, don't mind coming out and hanging out, I'm like, absolutely. I mean, this is great. I didn't realize racing was going to allow me to do uh, so many cool things things and I uh, get to travel all over the country and you know um, through that uh, meet so many partners in the outdoor world that a small town Missouri boy probably wouldn't get to do. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk to you some more about the hunting but I do have one more question just about the racing and you know it's just more of a curiosity on my part than anything else but I have a feeling that a lot of the people who are listening are wondering about it too. Um, you know I mean I think when we think of NASCAR of course you think you think of people like you know Dale Earnhardt and Dale Jr. and 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 uh, Jeff Gordon and, and and these folks who have had you know such incredible sustained success over a long period of time and have become household names. But for the for the average driver and guys like you who are you know really trying to get to that level, I mean, it, it can you, do you actually like make a lot of money in racing or is it or is it you know kind of hard to get to that point where you're really raking it in because maybe i think the reason i ask is i have a feeling that people maybe think it's a little bit more you know glamorous than it really is when you're a young guy trying to get yourself established yeah definitely uh you know it's funny people think uh just because you're driving a race car you're, you're making a million dollars and uh, it's not like a lot of other sports where uh, you can sit on the bench and uh, and make a lot of money um in this sport you you got to perform uh you got to pay your dues i mean we talk about it all the time uh, a lot of my buddies you know from 18 to 25 years old it's like okay 
once we get past that 25 year old mark um where do we stand you know in our career uh, how much money are we making you know is that something sustainable if you make this amount of money for the next 10 years uh, would you consider that a good career? And and most of us are like, hey, you know, we'll do whatever it takes to be a race car driver, but um, you are trying to make it to the Cup Series. So um, once you make it to the Cup Series, uh, the money does, you know, get a lot better. Um, there's guys that make a career out of the Truck and Xfinity Series, and, and that's cool. But um, for me at 23, you know, I, I still have uh, you know, aspirations of, of being a, 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 a great Cup driver and uh, possibly a champion and, and you got to have those goals and then uh, see where it puts you but it takes a lot of work uh, a lot of traveling a lot of uh, a lot of days that you're in uh, you're in equipment that you don't always think um, can perform uh, the way that you want but you got to pay your dues um, and just build that so I'm with a, a pretty solid team now uh, it's really cool that Bobby daughter at SS Greenlight gave me an opportunity but I've been with a lot of smaller teams um, in the past two years to get to this point so you just got to uh, grind it out basically yeah and you know again just because I don't have any clue if you if you win a race driving a car who wins the money of you know the prize money does that go actually to the owner or the driver or how does that all work you just get a, a piece of that or you share that with everyone on your team or what yeah, so uh, the money really comes from all different places. Uh, so it takes so much money to do this. Uh, you gotta have sponsors. You gotta have uh, team owners that are willing to help make it work. Um, you know, every position pays. Um, basically, the better you finish, the more money uh, you're gonna get from that particular race. And then uh, the team needs money to operate. And then basically, uh, everyone's contract's different, but you're gonna get paid. You know, based off most of us get paid off of how we finish. So uh, out of 40 guys, you don't want to finish 30th. <laughs> but if you can go finish in the, in the top 15, um, it'd be a decent day. And if you win a race, well, uh, you know, that, that could be life-changing uh, for a lot of us smaller guys. But um, if you're with a team that is expected to win every week, um, winning is expected. So, uh, you know, that comes with a price. You may drive equipment that can win every week, but you're not going to get, you know, financially rewarded, uh, you know, just because you win one race. Right. Um, there's certain teams out there where you're expected to win, you know, three to five races a year. And uh, I'm not to that point yet. Um, definitely want to get there. But like I said, you know, it's all about grinding it out and paying your dues. And it's a lot of fun in the meantime, but it's a lot of networking. Yeah. Uh, just, you got to put your name out there. Um, you got to be the guy uh, in line that stands out. So uh, whether it's social media that helps you stand out, videos, uh, what you can do with sponsors, or just, you know, raw talent on the racetrack. Well, you know, you mentioned something that I think is going to help us jump over into the bow hunting discussion, and that is, you know, it's a big deal in racing, I know, and I, and it's a big deal in bow hunting, too, and that has to do with something that you had mentioned several times already, and that's equipment. You know, when you're driving a race car, you know, and again, not an, not a huge expert, right, on race car driving, but I know this much. I know uh, that 
you know, you take any field, okay, on the racetrack on race day, and there are some cars on that track that are better than others. There's just no two ways about it. And as a driver, um, like you've alluded to, you know, you kind of know where you stand, um, both in terms of your ability as a driver, right? You've got an idea of how good you are relative to all the other guys behind the wheel, and you've also got an idea of how good your car is relative to all the other cars. And so you got to put those both together to, to, you know, kind of size up your chances. And so, you know, how much of an impact, you know, does that car, you know, play in? And then, let you know, we can jump from there to talking about, you know, the equipment that we have as bull hunters and how that plays into our success as, a, as, as a hunters. Right. I mean, with racing... Um, technology is, is always changing. Um, it's crazy. You know, you think you're just trying to go in a circle as fast as you can, and that's right. But, you know, when there's 40 guys and 10 of them are doing it the best way, then you're going to try it and get better, and then they're trying to get better in this constant, you know, cat and mouse game of, um, you know, going faster and faster and faster. So um, you want the best equipment you can have. Um, a lot of that is monetarily driven. So uh, from sponsors, the team owners, to drivers, um, you just have to have the capital to um, get the good equipment and things like that. So um, in NASCAR, you look at the races, um, there's road course races, there's two and a half mile super speedways to half mile short tracks. And what it takes to win at each of those racetracks is different. Um, some tracks, it's all motor and aerodynamics. Um, some uh, tracks, it's more, you know, ranking and, you know, who has the best brake pockets. And then, you know, when you're slowing the car way down, then, okay, who has the most pull? So you look at the races that you as a driver feel you're better than average, and then you look at your equipment and say, okay, these are the tracks we're going to invest the most money in to make sure that we can capitalize. So if we are normally a 20th place team out of these 33 races, which pin do we think we can go, you know, fight for a top 10? And uh, everyone is in their own segment. So the guys that always finish 10th are trying to figure out what races they think that they can finish first at. And then you got your guys that just dominate every week. Um, but normally they, they have a substantial amount, uh, more amount of money than you. And those drivers have a lot of experience. So like you said, you need to know where you stand. Uh, as a driver, it's all about learning and getting better every week. Um, taking a lot of notes, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, just like other sports, you know, you study the competition, you watch a lot of film. Um, we have uh, racing simulators that are really, uh, you know, top-notch. Um, they almost feel realistic, but when you hit the wall, it doesn't hurt, and you can hit a button and, and get a new car. Yeah, it's super cheap uh, compared to the real deal. Um, but as a driver, you, you do as much as you can off the racetrack as well as on the racetrack to become a better race car driver. Yeah, that's the only race car I'm ever going to drive. It's going to be in one of those simulators. The last question, I swear, this is the last racing question I'm going to ask you, but i got to ask you this. So when you're out there going 200 miles an hour, do you ever get scared when you're like six inches away from the guy next to you? <laughs> I, I don't think uh, I don't think any of us get scared. I'd hate to hear uh, a driver say that they get scared because uh, there's a lot of trust that goes on, you know, with those other drivers when you're that close to each other. Um, you know, it's okay to get nervous. Um, you, you're driving on the edge all the time, uh, so 
driving on the edge means you're right there about to wreck. So uh, you like to think at this level, um, you got the best guys out there, but we all make mistakes. And, uh, you know, the equipment is so much safer now than it was 20 years ago. So, um, you know, myself, I, I feel fortunate to be racing uh, in this era, you know, compared to uh, where it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, they were losing race car drivers every weekend. So um, I feel like I'm pretty safe out there. And I know my guys at the shop work really hard to build me fast race cars, but safe race cars at the same time. And, and that's important. Yeah, and your mom probably wishes that uh, she would have convinced you to play basketball or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of other uh, safe, more safe sports out there, but, um, you know, this one's a lot of fun and the adrenaline and uh, like I tell my parents, if, it, if I wasn't a race car driver, I'd probably be strapping on a parachute and jumping out of a perfectly good airplane to get to rush. So, uh, you know, you guys are lucky I, I'm doing this. <laughs> so, um... Race season, I guess, works out pretty well in terms of uh, you don't really race in the winter time, and so you do have a fair amount of time to be able to get into the field after the race season ends, right, and, and do a fair bit of hunting. Yeah, that's right. Um, we end in uh, we end right before Thanksgiving, so uh, that that's perfect timing, you know, to get out. And, uh, you know, mainly do uh, your, you know, your whitetail hunting for me out here. And, and do you still have, you still have family back in the Midwest? Is that where you still go back and do a lot of your bow hunting? So we uh, we got family back there. Um, we got a little property. We don't have uh, the thirteen hundred acres that we had there for a long. Oh dang! Um, I was gonna, uh, I was going to see if I could get invited out there. <laughs> yeah, I wish, man. It's a family friend, and unfortunately, uh, old Backmeyer uh, passed away. So uh, through a lot of changes of hand, there uh, that much property right there near St. Louis County. Uh, I think every casino and uh, shopping mall was uh, jumping, uh, jumping on the bit to, to get that property. It was so close. Um, it was uh, five minutes from my high school growing up. And, uh, you know, right there in, in St. Louis County to have that much um, land to hunt was uh, pretty unheard of. But um, now we just uh, have some land in uh, Joplin, Missouri, and then uh, Montgomery County, which is uh, close to uh, St. Louis as well, about 35 minutes. So we go back there, and then uh, I made some friends here in, uh, in North Carolina to do some bow hunting there. Let them uh, do the food plots, uh, clear the poison ivy out of the uh, tree stand for me and get it ready, and then uh, I get done racing and just show up. So uh, I'm like, hey, here's some free race tickets, but uh, I expect everything to be uh, good to go for me. So um, I have a lot of fun, you know, growing up with my dad. I was the one, you know, um, helping him uh, clear uh, clear the trees and uh, get stands up and, and, you know, ride around on four-wheelers and do the uh, trail cams and all this different stuff. And, and now um, my lifestyle has definitely changed as far as how busy I am. And I miss... Uh, that grassroots style but um I, I still got to get out there i get the itch and uh 
you know, having fun, um, not only hunting with my dad, but uh, also some buddies that I've met out here in North Carolina and in the racing industry. So uh, with being traveling as much as you do and everything, like you said, you can't spend as much time, you know, doing property management and things like that as you'd like to. Have you taken advantage of any of the, like the wireless trail cameras or anything like that so you can keep tabs on some of those bucks, even if you're, you know, hanging out in the in, in the trailer at the racetrack or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, my buddies and I, we're constantly uh, exchanging photos going, oh, you know, look what we got over here and, and this and that. Or, uh, man, you know, the squirrels are eating the hell out of my uh, record rack and just uh, all this fun stuff. Uh, but, man, like you said, there's so much, uh, so many of us uh, in the racing industry that hunt as well. Um, as soon as you uh, have a partner and you talk about your sponsor and things like that, everyone comes over. I want to be back. Hey, man, can I, uh, you know, get a new bow? Can you hook me up? And it's like, man, before I, I just did my own thing. People, people didn't bother me. Now, everyone, I got so many friends now. But uh, as long as they can bring something to the table, uh, you know, even if it's not hunting related, even if it's just you know a, a good fishing hole, I'm happy. Uh, I, I like it all, and uh, I do. Uh, I, I do a lot of bass fishing here in uh, on Lake Norman. Uh, it's just so easy to go out there uh, after working at the shop, 4 or 5 o'clock, and uh, we'll fish until 6 or 7, and uh, back to the gym and get ready for the grind the next day. So, how often do you get a chance to shoot your bow? Um, do you actually travel around with one when you're on the road, and do you throw targets up on the infield during the middle of the week when in between practices? Uh, you know, do you, I'm kind of wondering, you know, about that and, and how seriously you take, you know, your archery relative to your, you know, your driving. Yeah, well, for me, um, we we can't do that much fun stuff uh, in the infield of the racetrack. Uh, they gotta they gotta keep it safe for everyone. But um, mainly for me, uh, I travel Thursday through Sunday, so Monday through Wednesday. Um, that's uh, my dad and I, man. Uh, go over to his house and uh, you know we play a game out of it, um, and we always have. But uh, I'm getting better than him, and uh, he, he's looking at his moment bear archery bow. Uh, he was always a Matthews guy, so he's getting accustomed to it right now. I'm winning all the time, but uh, I'm sure he'll catch up. He's got more time to practice than I do, and it's always a competition. It always has been um, just uh, everything from fishing to the gun range to uh, archery in the backyard. Growing up, um, it was perfect. We had a... Uh, basement in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, the length of our basement was 25 yards. So uh, you could, uh, you know, do 20-yard 20, 20 practice, and for me, at uh, 11, 12, 13 years old, that was pretty good. For him, it's like taking candy from a baby, but uh, it's uh, it's all in good fun. Gotcha. <clears throat> now, how, uh, how far do you usually shoot when you shoot your bow do you like to shoot long range and uh, try and push yourself to see you know how far you can be accurate or uh are you what do you think about that yeah for for my dad and i um it's usually uh 20 30 and 40 yards um, we don't really go too far but we always play the uh the accuracy game and uh you know changing up quickly you know from uh 20 to 40 and uh just kind of playing around with it, uh, catching each other off guard, uh, saying, you know, hey, we're going to shoot two here and three back there and, uh, you know, so what do you guys just kind of like group we can get? 
yeah, you kind of like play horse and call shots from different spots and see who can get closest or whatever. Yeah, basically, that's how it goes. Uh, we we have a lot of fun with that, and it, it's something uh, easy for my dad and I to do together. And uh, he's so damn good, you know. It's uh, makes it difficult. He's he's been uh, archery hunting for so long, and he used to shoot competitions and and all this stuff. But um, you know, he's a guy who had three different bows for for every different aspect of it. And, uh, from, you know, the competition side with the long stabilizer that I made so many jokes about with them, but, um, we, we can't talk about this. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's always a game for us. Um, it gets a little more serious, uh, when, when we get closer to, uh, bow hunting time. And my dad, he goes back and forth to Missouri a lot more than I do, um, to, to do that and, you know, keep the property up and ready to go. What's some other uh, equipment choices? Uh, do you have particular, you know, things like arrows, broadheads, release aids that you, you know, have really used for a long time that you've kind of grown partial to? Yeah, for us, um, my dad has always uh, been big on Eastern arrows. Um, we, uh, I have the same relief. I can't remember the name of it, but I've had the same relief for probably the last seven years. And uh, um, I'll have to find out which one it is. Uh, it's uh, matching with my dad, and um, you know, it's just a normal relief. Uh, now there's so many different ones. Um, people are trying with these, uh, you know, just handheld releases. I got the wrist strap, and I've grown up with that. And uh, you know, just pulling the trigger just like you do on a gun, and just trying to be so uh, smooth and centered with it. Um, that's what my dad and I have, you know, used for a long time. Yeah. What about your broadheads? Yeah. You have any favorites? Favorite for me is going to be a rage. Um, like I said, you know, my dad got me into hunting, so a lot of his uh, traditions and uh, you know favorites have come down the line, and I'm just stuck with what works. You know, it's hard to mess that up. Yeah, well, rage is a lot of people's favorites, <laughs> and, Absolutely. I've, and I've I've killed a lot of critters with them myself. So uh, it's undoubtedly uh, you know an effective broadhead, and and probably you know the best-selling, you know, certainly one of the best-selling heads out there, and they do, you know, they do a great job not just of designing their products, but they do a great job with marketing as well, and so you put those two together, and, uh, you know, they've certainly been a success story in the hunting world. And they make, some, sure. and they make some big holes in animals, too, and lots of blood. Big holes, man. Yeah, the... Uh it's the multiple blade and, uh, you know, the opening up. I mean, it's uh, amazing technology. It seems so simple, but, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, it was it was almost unheard of, right? Yeah, yeah, or however, it might even be a little longer than that. But, yeah, it definitely, that rear deploying, you know, they were the first ones. And, and of course, now there's, there's lots of different options out there with, uh, you know, sort of the same basic concept. But, yes, at the, when they came along, that was groundbreaking in the world of bow hunting for sure. Spencer, what's your, what's your favorite memory from bow hunting? Well, for me, it takes me a back and, and this is it stands out I uh, was uh, 12 years old trying to break this down and dad uh, like I said my 
high school was five minutes. My my middle school was probably eight or ten minutes uh, from where we hunted in St. Louis. And my dad picked me up early from school and went out and he uh, he was always using the uh, the climbers and stuff. And basically, what he do is have a stand for myself so I was by myself and you know doing my own thing efficient and then he'd clear the tree next to me and uh, he would just climb up and uh, get a little bit higher than me so he could uh, see a little bit more um, make sure I was quiet and he always had the camera and things like that uh, at this time I was uh, you know bow hunting and uh, I was strictly um, getting a doe um, basically doe walks up but it's you know I don't know, probably uh, probably been there an hour or so. Bill walks up and it's about 15 yards away. And um, it, was, it was real quick. Uh, good shot. Got her down. Um, ran probably 25, 30 yards. Uh, I, I equate that to uh, only having 40-pound limbs. I'm like, it was a perfect shot. But, uh, you know, she had thick skin. And the reason that stands out, I mean, it wasn't a big hunt. It wasn't a big buck. Um, it was just me and my dad having fun. And then I had to uh, come to North Carolina and race like three days later. Uh, I was racing go-karts at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It was my first time. And I had been wearing my dad's, uh, you know, camouflage uh, head sock and what have you. And he had cut limbs down, and I got poison ivy all over my face. Oh. So, um, wake up, and itchy, and then, you know, about halfway through the day, um, I'm like, man, you know, this this isn't good. My eyes are swollen up and, uh, you know, almost shut. And I got to leave and go race. And uh, we ran really well that weekend. We didn't win, but uh, we ran well. Uh, it was a good story talking about uh, getting my first doe and then the whole Poison Ivy story at the time was terrible. But as you look back, my dad's like, man, you remember, you know, the first doe you got with your bow? I'm like, yeah, I remember. I had Poison Ivy on my face and my eyes were shut for a week. But uh, it's, uh, that stands out, you know. Um, we've had a lot of memories since then. Uh, a lot of memories, uh, you know, with my dad. Uh, for me, you know, I, I as a 12, 13-year-old, I wasn't real comfortable uh, shooting past 30-plus yards. Um, just for me, uh, that's kind of where my limit was. And then my dad, you know, would shoot all the way to 50, 60, and he was uh, pretty comfortable and really accurate. So uh, we got some uh, videos on the handy cam of uh, me videoing him hunt, and uh, there's only so many Utahns and things like that uh, back home. So uh, a lot of good memories with that. Uh, my dad, he was the man of the eight point. Uh, he still is. It seems like every year um, he, he's knocking out eight points left and right. And he's got a few tens and drop tines and things like that. But uh, for me, you know, they've done so much um, to help me make it in racing and sacrifice a lot of things uh, over the years. And, you know, my parents... Uh, Instead of spending money going on vacation and my dad going on awesome hunts, they spend it on me racing. So it's cool to be at this level. I uh, look forward to uh, paying it back to uh, my mom and dad and uh, taking my dad on a hunt here, uh, you know, within uh, the next, you know, six months or so. Yeah, that's awesome. And he, uh, he's definitely counting on you paying it back, too. He figures as soon as you make the the, the Monster Energy Series that you're buying him like uh, 100 to 200 acres in Kansas or something like that. That, that'd be perfect. That'd be perfect, man. Um, that, that's the goal. It always has been. Uh, you know, my, my family's done a lot for me. Um, I'm really close to my parents. So being an only child, 
uh, we traveled so much together. So uh, to be able to, uh, you know, have him take care of that would be awesome. And then I can just show up and, uh, you know, shoot me a big buck. And uh, I love rifle hunting as well. So, uh, you know, we do it all. We have a lot of fun as, uh, as often as we can and uh, enjoy those moments because, uh, you know, never know what can happen. And, uh, you know, we all get busy uh, with our jobs. And I fortunately have a cool job, but it, it takes a lot of time as well. Oh, absolutely. I was actually going to ask you, you know, if you don't mind, uh, but I was thinking even back when you talked about being in high school and being homeschooled and, and all the travel, which, of course, you're still doing to this day. And I'm like, man, it doesn't sound like it, it leaves much time, you know, for having a date or a girlfriend or anything like that, too. I mean, are you a single guy? Uh, are you looking for a good bow hunting uh, woman out there or what? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I'm single, uh, just uh, doing my thing, chasing the racing dream. And uh, you don't have a whole lot of time, so uh, it makes it tough to uh, go on dates and things like that. Uh, it's more, you know, hey, we got the group together. Uh, we're all going out and having fun and uh, just the traveling and stuff. It's, it's tough on uh, on relationships and, and things like that. But uh, I got a goal in mind, and, and that's racing and uh, being the best race car driver I can be. But if, uh, if she can shoot a bow, that's definitely uh, going to be uh, a notch in her belt to uh, help the situation. Okay, so ladies, there you have it. And so that kind of is a good jump in, right, to sort of a wrap-up, which is, okay, so whether you're just a, a fellow bow hunter like me or, or, or some, you know, a very talented young woman who, who's a great shot with her bow, and, and we all want to connect with you, Spencer, where can, where can we find you out there, whether it's your website, your social media, uh, to connect with you and maybe, you know, talk some racing, talk some bow hunting, um, you know, and just kind of follow your progress as you chase the dream, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, love for everyone to uh, go check me out on social media. It's just my name, Spencer Boyd, uh, on Twitter, Spencer Boyd PR on Instagram. Post a lot of cool stories and, uh, you know, just my day to day activity. And then on Facebook, it's the Spencer Boyd Racing fan page. And I run all those accounts myself. So uh, if you see me liking your picture, it's me. And uh, if you uh, hit me up and want to chat about the outdoors or have some recent questions, I'm open. Uh, I like to uh, bring new fans to the sport and just talk about uh, life in general outside of the race car. Yeah, absolutely. And I can attest for the fact that you really do run that yourself because, you know, like you said, your Instagram account is Spencer Boyd PR. And when you first, I first sent a message and I got a reply and I actually thought to myself, am I actually talking to this guy or is this like somebody who does his social media? But it was really you. So like, yeah, man, stay humble. Do that now, even when you become, you know, the next household name in racing, never, never stop, you know, posting your own replies on your on your Twitters and stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it helps, man. It's uh, it's cool. I, I got a lot of great partners, and um, it takes those guys to uh, make it in this sport. And uh, having fans that uh, buy into uh, who you promote and support is important. And when they uh, can easily reach you, uh, it makes that relationship a lot better. And, uh, and I appreciate the fans and uh, just getting to do what I love to do. I was really close to, to not making it. Uh, it just took one break for me to go from your local Saturday night racer to being on TV every weekend. So uh, I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at and I appreciate all the fans I can get. Yeah, and people can check you out for sure uh, on television. You can watch his races. And hey, do you uh, you come to Pocono when they come through here in Pennsylvania? 
I do. I was just there a couple weeks ago. Oh, man. I wish we would have connected sooner. I'll tell you what. It's one of these years when you're passing through our area. I'll have to, we'll have to get together, and maybe uh, we can actually find some time to shoot a little bit. And if you ever find yourself uh, in this part of the country during hunting season, I'll uh, be happy to put you in a tree stand. Uh, it was great connecting with you on social. I, certainly, uh, if I wasn't a race fan before, I'm a race fan now because I've got a rooting interest, and I'm going to be following you here the rest of the season. And uh, I wish you the best, man. I hope you get to take that leap to the next level and uh, find a lot of success when you get there. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch. I appreciate the opportunity, and we'll get you out to uh, Pocono, man. I, I love it there. That place is two and a half miles, so the campground's huge. So uh, maybe I can make a phone call, and uh, we can do some uh, archery uh, practice, a little competition right there in the infield of Pocono, and uh, maybe get some fans gathered around. Oh, that's yes, absolutely. Let's put an event together next year, and we'll do we'll do something with you and and your sponsors and Peterson's bow hunting. We'll get a bunch of our our readers out there and, and have a little archery party uh, right around race week. Yeah, man, that works for me. I'm all, down. All right, my friend. Listen, best of luck to you this weekend in Chicago. Thank you so much for your time and and being on uh, Bow Hunting Radio. And best of luck to you and your dad this fall. I don't. Uh, I hope you get a bigger one than him. Then just so you can, uh, you know, have some bragging rights for the winter. That's right. Gotta love bragging rights. They go a long way. <laughs> all right, buddy. Take care. Thank you for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, the official podcast of hardcore bowhunters. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bowhunting on your local newsstand or check us out on the web at bowhuntingmag.com.